Hello everyone, I'm your host Luke, and today I'm going to be talking about the supposed aquatic ape theory, hypothesis, whatever you want to call it. My first exposure to this was, I actually remember watching this, uh, it's technically a mockumentary, but it's about a two-hour, um, quote-unquote documentary um, called Mermaids the Body Found. It came out on Animal Planet in the year 2011. I would say is how most people um, would have gotten exposed to this supposed theory where they present it as being called the aquatic ape hypothesis, where um, it's basically a long story short that a group of scientists find a government conspiracy that is uh, covering up the existence of mermaids and the last few surviving members of that supposed species because um, they don't this government group or whatever doesn't want to acknowledge the existence of mermaids because it conflicts with the quote-unquote overall narrative. So, uh, according to IMDB, uh, its description is, a team of scientists testifies that they found the remains of a sea creature with ties to human origins, a modern-day mermaid. They claim a massive government cover-up is currently hiding the creature's existence from the general public. Um, and, like, kind of spread throughout this uh, mockumentary or documentary is, um, you know, they produce, like, a cell phone video of where, like, these kids are playing on the beach and uh, the... It's like a big, uh, like the government's testing like sonar equipment or something. And it, uh, messes with like the whale's, um, echolocation and like confuses them. And these mermaids are like, uh, traveling with them and, uh, the whales and these mermaids get beached and like are dying and, like, the government is, like, you know, not wanting to acknowledge the existence of this sonar weapon and the uh, mermaids. And so, like, the people that, um, it was directed by Sid Bennett. And uh, the writers that it's credited to are Sid Bennett, Vibe, Bav, Bat, and Charlie Foley. If I have time, I'll look into that, but, um, you know, like, they present it as it's, like, finding, um, well, I mean, here's, like, the storyline that's also on IMDb. When marine biologist Dr. Brian McCormick stumbled across a recording of mysterious underwater sounds... He launched a scientific investigation to uncover the creature responsible. You know, like they say it's like 
dolphins or uh, orcas or whatever communicating. In search of conclusive proof, he and his research team are called out to an unusual whale stranding in South Africa. Here they find the part partially digested remains of an animal none of them can identify. As each of its body parts is autopsied, they provide new pieces of the puzzle. As the picture builds, McCormick is drawn to an astonishing conclusion that this new marine creature is related to humans. And I would just like to note that the tags that they uh, put under uh, this IMDB page to help with SEO or search engine optimization are fake documentary, cryptozoology, mermaid, and mockumentary. Um, the this um, documentary is, I believe, not currently on uh, uh, YouTube. Um, I mean, I just searched it and um, the closest thing that we can um, find of it is um, it pulls up like here's a video from the unexplained zone called real arctic mermaid attacks and recent sightings missing in Alaska um, and here's one from history channel um, missing in Alaska vicious arctic mermaid attacks full episode I haven't even heard of this show but um, if you like search it in Google search results um, the one thing that did pull up was um, some marine biologists um, that were um, reacting to this video um, of the uh, mermaids the body found. It looked like it was about a 55 minute video if you want to uh, look at it yourself. But um, I think that I'm going to see if it's available on Amazon really quick. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> Mermaids, the body found DVD. Okay. Um, so I actually don't know how you can view it yourself because I look did um, Mermaids the Body Found DVD and that's not oh okay so you can only buy it as an episode and it costs $2.99 so um, they just on like Prime Video it's listed under uh, mer just mermaids with one season. Uh, could mermaids really exist? Ground in a radical scientific theory. Mermaids is a story about two scientists who testify that they found the remains of a never before identified sea creature with actual amateur footage and stunning CGI 
experts explore what mermaids may look like, how they lived, and how they could have evolved, but remained hidden until now. Um, uh, the first episode is one hour, 21 minutes, and it's literally just the thing they released back in 2011, Mermaids, the body found, the extended cut, and then um, the part two um, was actually released on the same day, and that's another 42 minutes, just called Mermaids, the new evidence, so I don't, I don't know if that's like a second part those on animal planet but i would say that this documentary like actually did a lot of maybe damage to people's beliefs because like you know like to me it was just kind of weird because like when you associate animal planet with like I I would really, I wonder if there's like a interview or something as to why um, Animal Planet aired like this mockumentary. I mean, if, like what, what was their reasoning for this? Because it... You know, there's multiple So Google's algorithm it um to counteract misinformation it is programmed to surface more accredited sources. So like when you type in those keywords mermaids the body found um, it pulls up articles like the lasting damage of fake documentaries like mermaids. National Geographic has one called Mermaids, the body found embodies the rotting carcass of science TV. Another one is Mermaids returns from the depths of TV's chum bucket. Um, here's one from Business Insider, Animal Planets Mermaids mockumentary. Um, were you fooled by Animal Planets Mermaid special? And then here's an uh, here's that article. If you were unnerved over the holiday weekend, wait. So is this all the way from 2011? Okay, so this this article is dated May 30th, 2012. Um, if you were unnerved over the holiday weekend by Animal Planets special, Mermaids the body found. Take a deep breath. It's okay to go back in the water again and you can quit eyeing your copy of The Little Mermaid suspiciously. The two-hour program is fiction, but it's presented in a documentary style with actors playing scientists who claim to have found the body of a mermaid on uh, Washington. Like, I, it seems like this guy, Sid Bennett, um, like he's kind of the he's the there must be something that drove him to make this um he's credited with 
um, 17 director credits on IMDb, and he worked on a, um, two different series that kind of maybe seem like, uh, glorifying a certain, uh, that people generally view as bad. Um, I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but it's blank. Mega Weapons is a documentary that he recently did in 2019. Um, blank Mega Structures Battle Ready. That's another one that he did recently. Um, he did one called The Dinosaur Project, Infested. Mermaids the Body Found. Um, a TV series documentary called I Shouldn't Be Alive. Um, and that sounds like it's a... Like a murder mystery or something. He... He made some movie called... Predator X. Deep in the polar Arctic, the discovery has been made of a completely new species, a giant sea monster with the head of a T-Rex, a 50-foot-long body, the shape of a giant whale, and huge flippers. That kind of reminds me of those. Um, so sci-fi, when I was growing up, they made a lot of very crappy movies um, that me and my dad loved to watch. Um, where, you know, it would just kind of be like Monster of the Week or whatever. And <laughs> they were always so terrible. Um, made something called Catastrophe, which was a TV series documentary about an asteroid strike. Uh, he made Discovery Project Earth, Life or Death, um, which was a TV series documentary. Prehistoric Park. Seconds from Disaster, um, and Greatest Military Clashes. Um, I wonder what he's credited with writing. So, his writer credits, um, he wrote, he's credited with some TV series called Nova on an episode called Ghosts of Stonehenge, Secrets of the Stonehenge Skeletons, the Dinosaur Project, Infested. He is credited as co-writing Mermaids, The Body Found, and uh, that I Shouldn't Be Alive TV series. Um, so he kind of seems like he's on the fringe. At least on IMDb, what he's um, credited with is a series series on the national or he's known for a series on the national geographic called titanic or about the titanic something called prehistoric park which was a television series documentary which um shows dinosaurs without having any kind of feathers uh mermaids the body found which i'm talking about right now and then the dinosaur project so once again a I believe that's a T-Rex that, and like a Velociraptor that show no, uh, 
<laughs> no feathers. So, uh, yeah. So, so back to mermaids, the body found. The channel admits this is a this is a press release about this special animal planet, saying, "quote The film is science fiction, using science as a springboard into imagination." But that didn't stop some from being sucked in and believing what they saw. Urban legend site Snopes added the mermaid's hoax to its site its site on Tuesday. The site began its posting by quoting an email reading in part, quote, In this documentary, they showed a video that was taken from a boy's phone on a beach. It shows a live mermaid. Now their father and I and him would like to know if this video is real. Well, this guy doesn't like to say that they're suckers to everything they hear, but they're open to new ideas. So, <laughs> just, you know, it's always a... Oh, I, I'm just open to uh, new ideas. Who, who knows what really happened? Uh, Snopes create. Okay, sorry about that. So Snopes.com creators Barbara and David P. Mickelson quickly debunked the hoax, pointing out that, quote, the program was not fact, but rather speculative science fiction, and it included obvious CGI-produced video sequences. The site also known a tie-in website, BelieveInMermaids.com, which creates a fake message claiming that the site has been seized by the U.S. Department of Justice and Homeland Security. Others were in on the joke from the start. Uh, Green Bay Packer uh, Tom Crabtree tweeted, If you believe one second of the Animal Planet's mermaid show, then turn around because Sasquatch is standing behind you. The program aired in Australia in 2011, and the hoax was thoroughly debunked at the time by columnists there. Brad Newsom of the Sydney Morning Herald wrote at the time, quote, The version that I saw doesn't even do viewers the courtesy of admitting that's fake until the credits are about to roll. And dismiss the aquatic ape theory, a real hypothesis proposed in 1942 and presented in the show as, quote, rather fringe. He also wrote that people love that sort of stuff, um, but it belongs on more tabloid channels that don't have any pretensions of scientific or historical credibility. Like, yeah, that's my main thing I wonder about is why did Animal Planet agree to air this? I mean, it makes no sense because, like, Animal Planet... I'm not sure if it even still exists, but, like, I kind of associated it with, on the same level of, like, National Geographic or uh, history before, you know, they kind of went down the Ancient Aliens, Pawn Stars road, where it was just, like, kind of, like, non-biased, more scientific, more realistic, I wonder if it was just they thought that they would make a fair amount of money from it. I mean, I I don't know. So there is actually a <laughs> it's called the aquaticape.org. Um, 
The aquatic ape theory was formulated by Alistair Hardy in the year 1960. The theory attempts to answer a lot of unanswered questions that have plagued mankind about our heritage. Why do we walk on two legs? Why are we naked? Why do we sweat? How come babies automatically hold their breath underwater? Hardy suggested that we, during the evolution, have spent a considerable time on the coastlines and adapted to a semi-aquatic environment, not on the hot, dry savanna or in the forest with other primates. So that's not all entirely untrue because there is a lot of proof that we did as part of our evolution, live on the coast and consumed a lot of shellfish and whatnot. But that doesn't mean that we wandered into the water and then evolved into mermaids. I mean, that's quite a leap in logic. I mean, the only verified fact that we know of, like, a type of mammal doing that is, like, whales. Because whales went from the sea to land as like some kind of wolf-like ancestor and then back to the sea. Um, whales, if you look it up, they have a thigh and pelvis bone still that are vestigial structures that um, in their past, in their, you know, that they haven't lost yet. And modern day whales still have those bones in them, but obviously... Whales don't have legs, right? Um, do dolphins have any leg bones? Um, dolphins uh, don't don't have any uh, don't have a thigh and pelvis bone, but uh, whales. Uh, thigh and pelvis bones. Um, so yes, uh, wait. Okay, well, this is saying that both whales and dolphins have pelvic hip bones, evolutionary remnants from when their ancestors walk on, walked on land more than 40 million years ago. Um, but I... Yeah, so... Whales, they have it. I mean, they're pretty uh, tiny, but I didn't. I didn't know dolphins did. Whale bones look. Whale skeletons look freaking weird, man. Ugh. And like, if you look at their front flippers, like, it almost looks like a human hand. Which, you know, obviously they were just um, adapting their structures that they had from their previous ancestors to, uh, you know, their new life in the ocean. And, you know, they whales and dolphins hold their breath. They don't have, like, um, they don't have, uh, what are they called, um... They, whales and dolphins don't have gills, you know, like sharks or fish would have. So, you know, they have to surface to take a breath, right? Um, so going back to the aquatic ape, 
Org, all from the beginning, the theory has been criticized, ridiculed, ignored, and a source of strong feelings in the anthropological community, of course. Uh, but why is it so controversial? Uh, this is what this author tried to find out in their bachelor thesis about the aquatic ape theory at Lund University. Never heard of it. After interviews with scientists and after reading of our anthropological books, they have tried to show that the aquatic ape coldness depends on its challenging nature against the anthropological paradigm, which describes human beings as creative and hunting creatures who can live in any environment. The aquatic ape theory, on the other hand, picks out one of all of these environments and says, here's where our evolution occurred. We have been aquatic apes due to this theory. The, due to this, the theory has become an anomaly, has been ignored, eliminated, and stigmatized. So basically it's like the same approach that like someone like Graham Hancock is like taking where, you know, like you're just afraid to step out the outside of the, stigma or um, viewpoint of mainstream science and to like uh, like not look into new theories and this guy's kind of taking this approach I I have never heard of Lund University so um, <laughs> um Uh, so this author goes on to say they can see two possible future scenarios for the aquatic ape theory. The first scenario is that the old paradigm continues to be intact, which it will be. And then is the aquatic ape doomed to remain anonymous? Another scenario is that someone formulates a completely new paradigm where human beings are seen as environmental specialists rather than environmental generalists. I mean, this is, I mean, they're being passive aggressive in a sense because like the, it's not, it's not a theory. I mean, there's, for it to be a theory, a lot of scientists will like have to agree with the main points of it, right? But it's, <laughs> I mean, it's like, Basically saying that because humans, you know, like human ancestors, like basically any, um, I guess anything before like what Artipithecus and, uh, like the, basically any hominids, like if they had grown up along the coast that, Therefore, they must have journeyed farther and farther into the water until they had fins. And I mean, evolution doesn't work that way. It, <laughs> I mean, uh, just just because we're still finding out about hominid evolution that led to us, and we're not totally sure which is our direct ancestor and how all these different hominids that we found evidence of 
skeletons of and proof of them walking on two legs. And because we can't exactly say why they started walking on two legs doesn't mean that you can make that giant leap in logic and say that um, mermaids exist. So, yeah. So this guy goes on to say that human ancestors had been living along the coast along during a limited period of time, five to seven million years ago, and then left for land. But today, many aquatic ape proponents, who are these people? I don't know, believe that our human ancestors continued to live close to water. One of the proponents, not going to name him, suggests that Homo erectus were shallow water divers migrating along coasts and rivers. Like, if you look at a dispersion map of Homo erectus, they went like a very far like you know like we weren't the first hominids to move out of africa homo erectus like um dispersion um they i mean we found homo erectus skeletons in africa in europe in, you know, like that, in the Middle East area, and all the way into uh, China. And we've even found it on islands, you know, between the chain of, uh, what is that? That's like, you know, between Asia and Australia, which is pretty, I mean, like, the species died out, but, you know, they're they were capable of consciousness. You know, they were just another hominid species and they were, they used tools and they might've even had speech, but you know, like they died out just like the Neanderthals did. And every other hominid did like the Denisovans. Like we, we, we don't know where the, like how the Denisovans fit into, um, uh, hominid evolution because we're, you know, scientists think that it's the out from Africa hypothesis um, is the mainstream accepted one, but like, how do the Denisovans fit in? Because like, they're all the way um, here, like, where was the Denisovans found? So the Denisovans um, were found all the way in the middle of, uh, Russia, like kind of in Siberia, which makes no sense. Um, I mean, we just found a couple jaw bones and whatnot, like, you know, we didn't find a complete skeleton or anything, but like, they were still hominids and they, um, were capable of higher thinking. So like, how did they wind up there? But, um, this guy goes on to say, is also believed that the Island of Flores was inhabited one million years ago, later evolved into what we know as Homo Florensis that died out between 17,000 and 12,000 years ago. Um, okay. 
However, it has been suggested that even earlier predecessors, such as Homo habilis or even Australopithecus, have given rise to the Hobbit man. It is also known that the first specimen of Homo sapiens were living predominantly in a marine environment, which makes sense because the they would have been able to use tools at that point of time and would have had higher thinking and would have known that, hey, there's plenty of food and materials and, you know, stuff that we can, you know, we can fish. We can, you know, gather materials from, you know, like one counter argument is most human settlements are along a lake or river or whatever, right? I mean, like, one of the earliest forms of cities, or, okay, like the Egyptians, they, like the the Nile Delta and River was a major point of their culture and their mythology, and, you know, like, all their cities, early cities, were built along the Nile. I mean, duh, that's where they got all their food for, you know, their for farming and other, uh, yeah, you know, like it's not a coincidence that you know hominids grew up along you know bodies of water. I mean, you kind of need water to survive, right? Um, yeah. So I mean, he just goes on to say that. Um, You know, like, this guy has an obvious bias and um, <laughs> that he's just, um, going against the grain and, you know, he's able to, um, prove that, you know, like, he's able to go against the main, uh, crux of anthropology and archaeology, but whatever. Um, so, let's move on. Uh, so, the aquatic ape hypothesis um, of human evolution postulates that the ancestors of modern humans took a divergent evolutionary pathway from the other great apes by becoming adapted to a more aquatic habitat. The hypothesis was initially proposed by the English marine biologist Alistair Hardy in 1960, who argued that a branch of apes was forced by competition over terrestrial habitats to hunt for food such as shellfish on the seashore and seabed, leading to adaptations that explain distinctive characteristics of modern humans, such as functional hairlessness and bipedalism. So basically, any hominid is any creature, or sorry, any ape, which we're part of, um, having the ability to walk bipedally or walk on two legs. Um, the way that or for most of hominid evolution from what skulls we've collected um it's called the cranial capacity um has been very small and didn't really 
take a great leap until like homo erectus, like the cranial capacity of homo sapiens versus like australopithecus is like night and day. Like if you look at a picture of australopithecus, it basically looks like a chimpanzee walking on two legs. It was still covered in fur. It probably could make use of some tools, but, you know, it it didn't have full-fledged consciousness. Um, if I have time, I'll go into, like, some of the uh, accepted hypothesis as to why we were able to um, start walking on two legs or evolve to walk on two legs. Um, so the hypothesis is highly controversial and has been criticized by many as a pseudoscience and is generally ignored by anthropologists. So the history of this in 1942, the German pathologist Max, uh, Weston Hoffer discussed various human characteristics that could have derived from an aquatic past, quoting several other authors who have made similar speculations. As he did not believe human beings were apes, he believed this might have been during the Cretaceous, contrary to what is possible given the geologic and evolutionary biology, biological evidence available at the time. He said, quote, the postulation of an aquatic mode of life during an early stage of human evolution is a tenable hypothesis for which further inquiry may produce additional supporting evidence. He actually later abandoned the concept. Um, independent of this guy's writings, the marine biologist Alistair Hardy had since 1930 also hypothesized that humans may have had ancestors more aquatic than previously imagined, Although his work, unlike Weston Hoffer's, was rooted in the Darwinian consensus, on the advice of his colleagues, Hardy delayed presenting the hypothesis for approximately 30 years. That's why people throughout the year 1960, after he had become a, a respected academic and knighted for contributions to marine biology, Alistair Hardy finally voiced his thoughts in a speech to the British Sub-Aqua Club in Brighton, on March 5th, 1960, several national newspapers reported sensational presentations of Hardy's ideas, which he countered by explaining them more fully in an article in New Scientist on March 17th, 12 days later. Quote, his thesis is that of a branch of primitive ape stock was forced to competition from life in the trees to feed on the seashores and to hunt for food, shellfish, sea urchins, etc., in the shallow waters off the coast. Um, yeah, it's, you know, just uh, wasn't really, didn't really have any merit. Um, so hypothesis of why by pedalism developed
Sorry, I'm trying to find a good list of why. Uh, okay, so some theories as to why um, bipedalism might have actually evolved. Uh, one is carrying objects a long distance. One is using tools. One is seeing long distance. You know, like humans have, what is it called? It's like binocular stereoscopic vision. So like your your eyesight is facing forwards, right? And um, your eyesight like overlaps by like 40% or something to give you a more detailed picture of what's ahead of you. I mean, you look at different animals like a fish, their eyes are, you know, pointed one direction and one's pointing the opposite direction. So, you know, um, one is using weapons. Uh, one is gathering from trees. Um, and there's some other ones, but, um, you know, like the... Like, I don't really agree with, like, the using weapons one. Um, <laughs> I mean, just because you want something doesn't mean, evolutionarily speaking, you're going to evolve to take advantage of that uh, niche or whatever. Oh, great. David Attenborough, I've heard that name before, actually, um, championed the aquatic ape hypothesis. Um, so, Alistair Hardy put forward all sorts of features which could be explained as, a, quote, aquatic adaptations, our swimming ability, loss of body hair, as well as an arrangement of body hair that he supposed may have reduced resistance in the water, curvy bodies, and the layer of fat under our skin. He even suggested that our ability to walk upright may have developed through wading, with the water helping to support body weight. For Hardy, this aquatic phase would have occupied the gap in the fossil record that then existed in 1960, between around 4 million and 7 million years ago. Once again, we found more hominids that have helped fill in this gap that led from Australopithecus to hominids. Well, you know, Homo habilis, Homo erectus, Homo uh, florensis, all these different uh, hominids that are closer on the evolutionary ladder to us. Um, he concluded his paper saying that this was all only speculation, quote, a hypothesis to be discussed and tested against further lines of evidence. Um, So all the suggested anatomical and physiological adaptations can be explained by other hypotheses which fit much better with what we actually know about the ecology of ancient hominids. Like, at least from what I understand, uh, they think that we pretty much um, evolved in the savannas around like basically where Ethiopia is because that's where we're like digging up some of the earliest forms of or earliest skeletons of homo sapiens 
and then we, you know, it's called the out from Africa hypothesis. Um, so hairlessness is only a feature of fully aquatic mammals such as whales and dolphins. Semi-aquatic mammals such as otters and water voles are extremely furry. Uh, blank selection and adaptations to heat loss better explain our pattern of body hair. Blank selection may also explain our body fat distribution, which differs between the genders. Voluntary breath control is more likely to be related to speech than to diving. The diet of many of our ancestors certainly include marine resources where people lived on the shores or lakes of the sea, but this was a relatively late development in human hominid evolution, and humans can also survive and thrive on food obtained entirely on land. So, when Homo sapiens first emerged, there was Homo erectus, there was Homo neanderthalus, there there were other hominids. It wasn't just us. We're just the ones that survived. Um, so compared with other animals, we are not actually that good at swimming, um, and our skin leaks as well, letting in water so that our fingers become prune-like after a long bath. So what about walking on two legs? That's something that all apes do a bit of while wading in water, certainly, but all, while also reaching for fruit, performing aggressive displays, or simply moving around in trees. Like, you can watch footage on YouTube of, like, a silverback gorilla walking, or a chimpanzee walking, or different um, modern-day ancestors of, or at least... Uh, genetically speaking, like, I hate to tell you, but we're like 99.5% chimpanzee, or as my lovely high school uh, teacher, uh, doctor, I'm not going to say her last name, uh, said that we're 50% banana, so congratulations, you're half fruit, um, genetically speaking. Um, if we evolved from ancestors who already stood up in trees, we don't need an extraordinary explanation for why we ended up standing on the ground rather than running around on all fours. Um, since their hypothesis was advanced, many of the gaps in the human fossil record have been filled with at least 13 new species found since 1987, we have also made great strides in reconstructing the environment in which our ancestors lived. And we know that species such as far back in time, such as Sahel Anthropus Tridensis, 7 million years ago, and Homo erectus, 2 million years ago, all lived in forested or open woodland environments. While some of these woods include wetlands, this was just part of the mosaic of habitats that our ancestors learned to survive in. There's absolutely no trace of a hominin ancestor being aquatic, as that described by Hardy and Morgan, which I agree with. Um, we also have evidence our ancestors had to survive periods of extremely dry climate with little or no aquatic resources. Coping with these highly variable patchwork environments required behavioral flexibility and cooperation and our large brains and ultra social nature likely emerged as a result.
and this flexibility ultimately led to the invention of culture and technology. So like, you know, that old saying stronger together, um, was, you know, it's probably like a lot of random stuff came together and it just so happened that we evolved consciousness and the ability to walk on two legs and to use tools and other factors that we were able to um, become or evolve into Homo sapiens sapiens. Um, <laughs> so I'll end on an article from the Smithsonian called A New Aquatic Ape Theory dated April 16th, 2012. So this might be, um, this might be, um, outdated by now. So I'm not saying this is part of it, but it's at least from a legitimate organization like the Smithsonian and it's still up on their website. So people are still seeing it. Um, so in 2009, R Richard of Harvard University and colleagues suggested in the American Journal of Physical Anthropology that shallow aquatic habitats allowed hominids to thrive in savannas, enabling our ancestors to move from tropical forests to open grasslands. About 2.5 to 1.4 million years ago, when the genus uh, Homo first emerged, Africa became drier. During certain seasons, already dry savannas became even more arid, making it difficult for hominids to find adequate food. But this team argues that even in this inhospitable environment, there were oases, um, wetlands and lakeshores. In these habitats, water lilies, cattails, herbs, and other plants would have had edible, nutritious underground parts, more specifically the roots and tubers, that would have been available year-round. And these were fallback foods that would have gone hominids through the lean times. They base these arguments on modern primate behavior. For example, baboons in Botswana's Okavango Delta, which floods every summer, start eating a lot of water lily roots when fruit there becomes scarce. And hunter-gatherers in parts of Africa and Australia also eat a lot of roots and tubers from aquatic plants. The fossil record also hints at the importance of these environments. This guy's team looked at nearly 20 hominid fossil sites in East and South Africa. In East Africa, the geologic and fossil evidence suggests that hominids were living in areas with lakes or flooded grasslands. South African sites tended to be drier, but were still located near streams. So once again, they think that we evolved mainly in the area of Ethiopia. So, you know, environments change over time, especially when that was like 7 million years ago, right? Um, so, as with all science, you know, they're constantly finding new stuff to update these theories, not facts. So, you know, maybe there was a water environment that helped... Um, contribute to 
our uh, evolution. It's also, it might be an, an anachronism that, you know, these modern day uh, habitats have these, you know, like either fellow humans or um, close genetic ancestors that are part of the great ape family have these um, mannerisms to dig up these roots and tubers. Um, the researchers say foraging in these environments may have led to habitual upright walking, which, once again, just because you uh, think that a uh, adaptation would um, benefit you doesn't mean genetically that it's going to happen because uh, evolution is random and uh, you know it's natural selection and blah 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 uh, today chimpanzees and gorillas occasionally venture into shallow bodies of water when they do they wade in in to the water on two legs um Walking bipedally in the water allows these apes to keep their heads above water. Um, I mean, that's a hypothesis. Uh, this guy's team acknowledges that their case rests on circumstantial evidence. Once again, <laughs> it like this theory is just ignored by mainstream science, and like they give no wind to it. There's no direct proof that this is how hominids were living. And the evidence has alternative explanations. For instance, watery habitats allow for better fossil preservation. So finding hominids in watery locales may not be representative of where they actually spent most of their time. So like most things in human evolution, the debate's wide open. So once again, we're still going to be constantly learning new things. Like, you know, like between the time... A hundred years ago when we thought all dinosaurs were like just reptiles. We're now learning that like velociraptors look totally different. And they would have been covered in uh, like feathers, right? Um, or even the mighty T-Rex probably had some form of feathers. You know, it, the only surviving family of quote-unquote dinosaurs nowadays was um is modern day birds um and if you want a more detailed explanation i've done a video on this on my youtube channel but there's also a guy that's a lot more um <laughs> i'll say uh well spoken than i am my problem is i kind of jump all over the place but um I still enjoy making this content, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, his name is Trey the Explainer, and he has a great video um, on did dinosaurs have uh, feathers, and more specifically, did T-Rex have feathers? And he that's like a 37-minute video. I would urge you to go watch that. It's a very well-produced and well-researched video. Um, yeah, so anyways, this has been your host, Luke. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, have a good week. Peace out.